0: Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Reese, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, this Halloween special, we are going to explore some of the more iconic traditions associated with Halloween. But we are going to do it with a twist. There are going to be some tricks and and some treats on this episode because we are going to look at creepy tales of jack-o'-lanterns and the origins of trick-or-treating and candy and costumes but along with the usual folklore we are going to look at it from four different angles through four different lenses as it were to begin with i'll be exploring some victorian folklore to look at how Halloween was celebrated in Wales back in the good old days. We'll then be fast-forwarding, jumping into our TARDISes and travelling forward a 100 years to the 1980s, to my childhood, to compare and contrast to see how these traditions have stayed the same and how they have changed over a century. We will then move on to our third look at these traditions. And as regular listeners will know, I've often moaned about the fact that I would much rather be on the other side of the Atlantic at this time of year. I would love to spend Halloween time in North America because, frankly, if film and TV and YouTube nowadays are to be believed... It looks like Halloween on the other side of the pond is a heck of a lot more fun than it is here in Cymru. And it just so happens that one of my very good friends, my fellow cultural writer, Chris Cara, has first-hand experience of celebrating Halloween as a child in both Wales and North America. He was born in Wales, but spent a good few years of his childhood in canada and chris will be joining me on this episode to recall his experiences and to compare how his childhood halloweens in canada differed to mine here in wales and if that wasn't enough chris brings one more unique Angle to this episode because chris is now the father of a child himself life has come full circle as it were and his child is now celebrating halloween themselves in wales today which brings us bang up to the modern day and the way in which young whippersnappers of the world today celebrate halloween so we're going from the victorian age to the 1980s to canada to today that is all coming up on this episode all i need to do is summon chris cara onto this podcast and i will attempt to do that right now and welcome back to the ghosts and folklore podcast chris cara chris how are things
1: yeah, not too bad since we last spoke uh, around Christmas time. I mean, we've spoken since, but um, since the listeners have heard me, uh, things are good.
0: Yes, we don't avoid each other throughout the year. <laughs> yeah. and, and after that Christmas Christmas episode, you're, you're a glutton for punishment. You've come back for, for Halloween this time.
1: That, that's right. Yeah. But hopefully there's no quiz this time. Uh, yeah. L- l- well, fingers crossed. But my knowledge on um, Halloween is slightly better than uh, Christmas folklore or Welsh Christmas folklore, at least.
0: Yep. No, no no, quizzes this time. It's all, all, all tricks, no treats. Chris. Hopefully, Excellent. hopefully we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll find out now. So yep. uh, the way we're going to do this, uh, we're going to look at some Halloween traditions, some of the, the really obvious iconic ones. And mm. we're going to look or rather I'm going, going to look at some old Welsh folklore that was recorded back in the 19th century about them and mm. look at my own experiences growing up in the 1980s to see how much had changed and how much is still the same. And then in your case, you can look at this from a a transatlantic perspective because you were growing up on the other side of the world, well, other side of the world in Canada. And of course, nowadays, you have a little one of your own. So we can see how children today celebrate to see how these traditions have evolved and transformed over time. And we're going to start with the first one. Well, we're going to start with the first two, actually, two in one here. And they are trick or treating and costumes, two very Obvious traditions, and I'm going to give you a little bit of folklore first about, well, what might be about trick or treat. And This dates from the 19th century, and my little disclaimer, I should say, just because folklore tells us this is where this tradition came from, that doesn't necessarily make it true. It still sounds great, but it might have been disproved since. But according to Welsh folklore, until the first half of the 19th century, the poor peasantry of many parts of Wales went about begging on All Souls Day, and the bread bestowed upon them was called barra, ran, or dole bread in English. This custom was a survival of the Middle Ages when the poor begged bread for the souls of their departed relatives and friends." So this piece of folklore tells us that back in the Middle Ages, the Poor were going door-to-door begging for bread on what we now call Halloween. In return, they were saying prayers for the souls of the dearly departed. This is very similar to a tradition known as souling or soul cakes, where the poor go door-to-door and are given soul cakes in return for prayers, which is much more wholesome sounding than trick-or-treating. Today, there are prayers and there's bread and cake involved, although I think if you give kids bread today, they're not going to be too pleased. Cake. They might be happy with what. What, what would you prefer, Chris? Bread or cake?
1: I'm actually a bread guy. I I, I like a bit of cake, but uh, yeah, a, a nice slice of uh, good quality bread. <laughs> Although, well, yeah, it would be strange. I think going door to door and getting some bread, uh, if especially if you're a kid and you want some uh, sweets.
0: Yeah, I think I think trickle bread wouldn't wouldn't quite work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, connected to this, we are told that kids also would dress up for this tradition, which, again, might be a link to where costumes come from. Although we should bear in mind, back in the good old days, people were dressing up for any occasion. There was mumming and wassailing going on. So people were always, well, there was no TVs back then. So I guess people were dressing up all the time. But this might be, might be the early origins of trick-or-treating and dressing up. So that's the folklore. From my point of view, growing up in Wales in the 1980s, we did not have trick-or-treating. But we did go door to door and we said, happy Halloween to people. In return, we were given money. So there was no sweets or candy like today. There was no bread or cake like in the good old days. We said, happy Halloween. We had money and we spent that money on comic books and and things we probably shouldn't be spending that money on. And as for costumes, one of my earliest, possibly my earliest costume I can remember in the early 1980s was dressing up as a Ghostbuster. Which is it's almost like uh, Stranger Things in real life, I guess. Back in the day, do, do you watch Stranger Things, Chris? Do you know what I'm on about?
1: I I know what you're on about. I, I've never seen it though, but I do know I I know some of the um, culture around it. So yeah, I do know it. Oh yeah. Well, I won't go into Stranger Things right now, then, but <laughs> but you've seen the images of kids dressed yeah. up as Ghostbusters. Although I should point out,
0: maybe it's different on the other side of the Atlantic. But my Ghostbuster costume was pretty much whatever we had in the house that was gray, gray tracksuit trousers, and we cut out. Ghostbuster logos and stuck them on. There were no decent replica kits, replica kits, replica suits available that we could wear. On the TV show, they have some pretty impressive suits. So whether that's looking back at the eighties through modern day lenses, I don't know. But certainly, my Ghostbuster outfit was not a patch on what they wear nowadays. Now, over to you, Chris. What was trick or treating and costumes like in in Canada? I guess, and what is it like nowadays for your little one?
1: Well, so I, I moved. I, I was born in Wales, and I moved to Canada when I was nine. Um, obviously, with my parents, uh, and we stayed there for around two years, uh, and then we moved back. So so it was it was good to kind of have that uh, growing up for you know about eight, nine years of not much Halloweeny stuff going on here in Swansea. Then going to uh, Canada, I lived in Ontario, uh, near Niagara Falls in a town called Niagara on the lake, which is a really uh, picturesque little town. And uh, it, Halloween's there were like I, uh, I imagine across Canada and America, very intense. Um i like the word it's, intense chris yeah intense is the word because i said coming from wales there was very little trick or treating i think it was we. Di- i didn't really know much about it um yeah like you maybe going to one or two houses gra- grabbing some sweets and then going home but it was an event uh, a big event in uh, canada you'd get dressed up you'd go around the neighborhood and every single house would participate in it pretty much every single house uh, and not just participate and give candy they would dress the houses up. There was one or two houses, which almost, uh, I seem to remember, was a, they kind of constructed a haunted house out of their own house. And every single room had been themed to a different uh aspect of the occult or, you know, ghosts. Maybe one was a ghost room. One was a zombie room. One was uh done out like a graveyard. Every single room was uh, slightly different. And it was... They must have gone to some expense you know, for this, uh, as well as giving candy. Um, people just went crazy for it. And, and so my memories are just going around spending hours tracing the streets and coming back with pretty much a black bag full of Halloween candy. Um, so, yeah, it was yeah intense. Does that? Yeah, that sounds intense to you.
0: Yeah, I, I like the all or nothing of it <laughs> in Wales. Uh, well, whatever, see what happens. And you go to Canada, a bag. Every house sounds like a like like the set from Halloween Horror Nights or something. It's all it's all kicking off. And I, I guess, I mean, you, you could open the front door and tell it was Halloween, could you? You could look outside yeah. and see there's people everywhere, there's lights, there's sound. Halloween is happening.
1: Yeah, it's not a, a it, it, when you see the uh, films and uh, American TV shows that it's not an exaggeration that yeah, you open the door and kids are just going. In every direction they're coming to your door they're going to your neighbors they're just zipping around uh it's it, it's really nice it's it's something we don't see here and as you said i i live in wales now and i have a daughter and we don't do anything like that really here she knows about halloween she's four she knows about halloween She'll get dressed up but her trick or treating will be uh, i'll take her to say see, see my mum see my dad maybe to the next door neighbor and that's it uh, it's not like a door-to-door because I'm not really sure what your experience is in in Wales as a homeowner who has to open the door and do people knock on, on your door? As a homeowner, do, yeah. you
0: know, I don't get as many. I, I actually, I do genuinely stock up to give people things. Yeah. Uh, as as i've mentioned on this podcast i actually import candy corn from america which people think i'm (laughs) mad for doing but i do get lots ready um and i end up eating the majority of it myself people don't i think i think in this country people are reluctant of going to the houses of strangers so whereas in america unless and canada wherever you might be but if there's either closer knit communities where people know each other or people are just more open to this and more trusting and know it's okay to do it over here like you said i think people go to they go to neighbors they know by name they go to family members rather than literally banging every single door in the streets nowadays um which is it you know it's a shame because they're missing out you know i've got some good stuff here but there you go they'll (laughs) never more, more for me more for me i guess I do like I do like the sound of it. I, I do feel like I've missed out on my childhood. Now there's me sitting here with my uh, my my, my grey tracksuit trousers on, made to look like Ghostbuster pants, and then over in America and Canada, it's all it's all happening.
1: You'd have loved it, Be- yeah. Being Mr. Halloween as you are now, you'd have absolutely loved it. But it, it was it was fantastic. Um, I, I do have great memories. And that kind of you, you'd have a black bag full. I think possibly even a pillowcase we used to use uh, instead of a black bag. You know, you'd stuff a pillowcase. And I th- seem to remember going home at one point to drop my bag off to get another bag because it was so full of candy uh and yeah there were things like candy corn um full-size chocolate bars some some people would give you maybe an apple and <laughs> you won't be too <laughs> pleased about that but you know you'd uh kind of grin and bear it i guess yeah when you got home then uh your parents would split up uh kind of portion out the candy because you couldn't just be trusted to eat a full pillowcase full of candy uh that would be kind of yeah segmented over the next couple of days at at least but it was great yeah it was uh for yeah a week kind of the build-up uh until we got to halloween and then yeah then it was straight into kind of uh Christmas season, then I guess.
0: D- don't, don't mention the c word, Chris, on this uh, on this podcast. We'll save that for uh, for a little bit. And I, I do like the fact that you mentioned the the apples, actually, um, because that does tie in nicely with my next one. But uh, the the general consensus is from the first thing, certainly from looking at uh, looking at trick or treating and looking at costumes and things, America and Canada is where you want to be. That's where things are done properly. We're a little bit rubbish over here in Britain, and. I'm sure most of my listeners will be happy because, as I've told you before, Chris, the vast majority of people listening to this are the other side of the Atlantic, and they're going to be very happy. You've just said how great they are.
1: They're, well, yeah, there's uh, Canada was a lovely place to live. I, uh, you know, I was, moved out there when I was young and obviously I had to move back with my parents but had I had my way I'd have probably end up staying there because it was such a nice uh, town and I've been back several times so yeah I, I have a big affinity for uh, Canada in, in particular and Ontario uh, so yeah any listeners out there um, yeah you have a lovely part of the world you live <laughs> in a lovely part of the world
0: so, Sam I've, I've said before if there's anyone in, in roughly the New England area that wants a journalist for the autumn season let me know and I'll pop <laughs> over and write about whatever you want me to write about right moving on to the next one then Chris and you, you've kind of preempted this with your with your psychic powers a little in a mm. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is looking at Halloween games and Halloween what what is known as candy, what we might call sweets traditionally, but Halloween games and candy and, and we're sticking with the food theme. And back in the good old days, while you wouldn't be given candy because because there was no candy, children were given treats and they were things like nuts and fruit and, and cake, of course, like we've mentioned, maybe not the bread. And there's a description of a game that went on, and it's one that I'm very familiar with myself. So this is one that did definitely continue or continues. Uh, and I'll read this bit of folklore to you, Chris, and it goes like this. The younger folk amused themselves by catching apples with their teeth from a tub of water or suspended from a cord tied to the rafters. This cord was strung with apples and had a farthing dip at the end. A farthing dip is a candle. The mm. greatest fun arose when somebody took a bite of the candle and missed the apple. And in the case of the tub and the cord, those who entered into the game had their hands tied behind their backs. So, this one, uh, it's one that I used to play. Uh, back in Norse nights when I was in school. Norse kalangayev is the Welsh for Halloween, uh, and I was in a Welsh-language school. I was in Pontre de Ven in Port Talbot, and we celebrated Norse Calangaev. And every year, we would do, certainly, trying to get the apples out of the bowl with our hands behind our back. Uh, we didn't do the biting apples from a cord with a candle at the end. I imagine even in the, 19, even in the 1980s, health and safety wouldn't let kids potentially get a mouthful of candle although i are candles toxic i think they're probably safe aren't they i don't know i've never eaten one i have no idea um <laughs> Not me neither uh, and what what about you chris any memories of trying to catch apples with your teeth in any any kind of games or what about what about the sugary treats that you had and, and your child would have now
1: well uh funny you say about uh, apple bobbing and i definitely did it but actually i didn't do it in canada i did it in Wales. Uh, so probably. Uh, a year or two before so maybe when I was around seven uh I lived obviously still in Swansea and I remember going to a Halloween party in my next door neighbor's house and they had a nice garage and the Halloween party was contained in there so instead of trick-or-treating everyone just kind of went in there and there was dressed up and uh we did apple bobbing so I remember doing that uh and it's uh you've obviously done it it's, it's quite a strange experience because you're there on your like knees hands and knees and you have to just get your head into this bucket trying to find an apple <laughs> uh, and the more you think about it the, the- the more disgusting it is, actually, because it's like everyone's having a go into this water, like, you know, breathing out, coughing, spluttering into this water. And it's yeah. probably I, I'd say that's probably worse for health and safety than eating a candle. <laughs>
0: you, you've made it sound like a form of torture, like a military yeah. torture there, Chris, the way you <laughs> down on your hands yeah. and knees and get your head in that bucket of dirty water yeah. and get some apples and uh, yes yeah, yeah. certainly in these in these post-pandemic days as well you certainly don't want people <laughs> doing that nowadays but i i hope i hope when it comes to your little one she hasn't got to endure anything like that today
1: No, like now, I said her main, uh, like in school, I I believe they do something. uh, They probably do something like little party, there may be a Halloween disco, actually, and then she'll just be taken around uh, trick or treating. But as we said, to a a well curated uh, list of people. So yeah, my parents, uh, her grandparents, that kind of thing. Um, And she'll have, yeah, sweets, the candy, but I'm not I'm not sure They, they don't really have things like candy corn over here, unfortunately. So I like a bit of candy corn. Um, they they tend to have yeah chocolates and st- the same old things around the world, aren't they? The the gooey, squishy, sugary things that uh, you don't want kids eating late at night, but they end up <laughs> eating them yes. late at night because it's Halloween.
0: Well, as uh, as I mentioned, Chris, I've, I've I've got a stash of candy corn here. So if nobody turns up on October the thirty first, you can you're, you're welcome to come around. Well, actually, no. If you excellent. come to my house on October the thirty first, <laughs> trick or treat, I might give you some candy corn. Otherwise, excellent. you're gonna have to. Pay, pay the extortionate import fees that I had to pay for it.
1: Well, I- interestingly, I was reading uh, something the other day and it was an article on diff- uh, America... I think it was America's uh, most hated Halloween treats and candy corn came out number one, I think in two or three different polls. Uh, and I did think of you because I know how much you enjoy it, but I believe that was one of the most hated, uh, along with things, like, things we don't have over here, like there was some sort of wafer candy and... Uh, some marshmallow peanut Uh, it probably makes sense to the canadians and americans listening to this but uh there's something called uh there's like a licorice in a hard shell uh milk duds and stuff like that but there's a lot of these sweets and candies that people really hate apparently i'm not sure why they're just bits of sugar ultimately but uh yeah uh, so yeah if anyone uh, if
0: anyone knows what that licorice is chris maybe they can let us know and uh answers on a postcard
1: that's it. It it will uh, Oh, hold on. No, it's just come back to me. I think it was called Good and Plenty. Good and Plenty. Yeah, I think it's like a box of little licorice in a sugar shell. And so yeah, that probably makes sense to some people listening. Good and Plenty, but yeah, it didn't sound very appealing. Licorice. It's not. It's an acquired taste, isn't it?
0: Maybe next year when I order my stash of candy corn, I'll chuck some of those in for you as well, Chris. And we we can we can test them live to see if they are as bad as as everyone tells us they are. And uh, what, what I will say quickly about about you know we've mentioned candy corn again now because I've been doing this podcast for about what four years or whatever it is now. And the one episode that's probably had the most response is one of my first Halloween episodes where I mentioned the fact that I'd never tasted candy corn, and I've had lots of amazing people on the other side of the Atlantic. Offering to send me Candy Con I still get messages, I'll probably get one today I still get messages now because people Are discovering the podcast and listening to it in order so they're catching up with all these episodes from from back in the day from back in well from what i was recording during the covid lockdown and things and i'd like to say a huge 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 thank you to everyone who has offered um a, a very kind man called gary sent me my first bag my first bag of autumn mix and it's thanks to gary i've now got this candy corn bug He's the reason I order more and more and more every single year. Thank you very much. Uh, The response has been amazing. And I am now hooked, even though everyone tells me they hate Candy Con. And moving on to possibly the most iconic Halloween tradition of all then, and that is carving jack-o'-lanterns, carving vegetables and, and fruit, I should point out. Did you know, Chris, a pumpkin is a fruit? There's a
1: Yeah, I think I did, actually. Yeah. It's, it's a strange one, but it's like a tomato is a fruit as well, isn't it? But technically, it's a vegetable. We know it's a vegetable, but... Uh... Yeah, it's yes. theoretically a fruit.
0: And, and you stole my thunder slightly there. I, I thought I thought you'd say no, that I could impress <laughs> you and say there's something you could impress your friends with, but you already know. So never mind. But this uh, tradition <laughs> of carving vegetables and not fruit, Chris, because there weren't any pumpkins, but yeah. carving vegetables, this can be traced back across europe for centuries and i was uh reading a book recently about german romanticism as as you do mm-hmm. an excellent book by andrea wolf called magnificent rebels and in that book it's only a throwaway line but in that book she says that goethe one of germany's most important writers goethe you know faust and all that was carving vegetable lanterns to scare the local kids with and i love the fact that goethe was sitting there just just cutting up these whatever vegetables they were to scare the kids with. And this kind of shows that it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, localized to Britain and Ireland, and it wasn't just for Halloween. People were doing this all the time all over the place. Well, Goethe certainly was anyway. And this tradition of carving vegetables, some say, has a link with the going door to door tradition I mentioned earlier, because when it, it's, it shifted from the poor going door to door and getting bread and cake to sort of younger people, to kids doing it, they began taking these carved out lanterns with them. So again, people say, is this where the modern day Halloween connection comes from? Now, in Wales specifically, and I've spoken about this before, but we used a swede. Other parts of Britain and Ireland use other Root vegetables, turnips, and things, but here in Wales, it was a swede, and it was known as the Jack O'Lantern. That's the Welsh for Jack O'Lantern, Jack O'Lantern. And as well as being an object that you carved, it was also a spooky apparition in and of itself. And there are accounts of people encountering Jack O'Lanterns out in the wild at Halloween time from the nineteenth century. And I've recorded a full episode about it, so I won't go on about it too much now but jack O'Lantern was like a like a will-o'-the-wisp type character that sort of floated through the air like a light and its intention its plan was to lead travelers astray so if they saw this light the idea is they'd follow after it and if they weren't careful follow it to their death so it would lead them maybe to uh to the edge of a cliff to a body of water it would lead them somewhere they don't want to be so in this way in this sense the jack-o'-lantern was a bit like a death omen. The only difference is when you see a death omen, that tells you a death is going to happen. With the jack-o'-lantern, it actually tries to be the cause of a death. So you have to keep your wits about you. If you are walking around in the dark on Halloween in Wales and you see a light in the distance... Whatever you do, Chris, don't go off following it. Now, personally, I remember carving the Swede very well. I mean, the the Swede, not not the death omen part, but the actual (laughs) Swede. Uh, I I didn't carve death omens. I remember carving the Swede and This carried on throughout my childhood. I don't remember doing it as an adult, uh, but certainly into my teens, we were carving Swedes. So this carried on for quite a while in Wales. It was only later on that the supermarkets started stocking up on on pumpkins when they became more plentiful. Because, I mean, certainly in the 80s, you couldn't just pop out and buy a pumpkin. And if anyone did have one, it was very expensive. And your parents weren't going to let you go and buy something really expensive just to hack it up and, and to waste it. So we had these Swedes. They were incredibly, incredibly difficult to carve. They smelt like a word I can't use on this podcast, but they smelt terrible when they burnt. And that is one thing I can say for certain. I am very happy America has given the world. Carving pumpkins is one heck of a lot better and a heck of a lot easier than carving a swede, Chris. You're a fitness person, right? And never mind the gym. If you want muscles, carve a Swede and you'll have, you'll have <laughs> arms like Hulk Hogan at the end of it, right? So yeah. it's, it's very tough and they stink. And that is my that is my childhood memories of jack-o'-lanterns. I am assuming you're going to tell me your little one has it much easier nowadays. But what are your memories of that when you were a child as well?
1: Yeah, I, I, the Swede thing I'd heard about, but I'd never carved a Swede. And I can imagine it, it is very tough because even now when I make a, a vegetable soup, I, I always dread how? Ha- the swede into cubes because it's so to get it so to actually get an intricate design into that swede Uh yeah, that's um a lot that, of broken pen knives, Chris. Yeah, geez. Uh, as yeah, at the moment, uh it's pumpkin, yeah, pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin. That's that's all you see in the supermarkets. Uh that's what my daughter will have. She gets a pumpkin uh and she actually has one already. Um at this stage, she's put stickers on the pumpkin, uh, with it's got eyes and a mouth and a nose. So I think that eventually she's going to cut it up. Um, I think it's just because otherwise if you cut it up too early, it begins to rot and then smell. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very clever. Uh, yeah. Attract flies. So yeah, um, but yeah, Halloween, uh, the pumpkin is the, the icon, isn't it? And uh, it's definitely more iconic than the Swede, I think.
0: It, well, I think when you put the two side by side, the Swede is, it, it's an ugly looking object. I mean, if you just mm. want to scare people, maybe it's the better one. But mm. I mean, the, the pumpkin is just, it, it 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 i mean i i use the word a lot but it is an absolute icon of halloween isn't it it's it's the pumpkin if you had to pick one thing to symbolize halloween it would be it and yeah i'm, I'm glad i'm glad your daughter's getting in nice and early with the tradition she's not waiting until october the 30th or anything
1: no no that's it it's uh, yeah straight in uh, as soon as it's october the first pumpkins were out <laughs>
0: yes and important question chris where did this pumpkin come from local pumpkin patch or supermarket
1: See, I was going to lie and say I, I'd grown it myself, but uh, and I know you, you, you'd you grown one yourself. You were trying to grow one, weren't you, if uh, my uh, memory yeah. serves me? I, like I failed
0: spectacularly, I think, <laughs> uh, Chris, but, but I tried. It was a valiant, valiant failure.
1: Yeah, well, no, I in the end, I, I get mine uh, for my daughter from uh, the supermarket because there is a local pumpkin patch. But I think obviously, you know, that's the main um Uh, income is the pumpkins uh so they obviously hike up the price at halloween Uh, and i think i remember Mm. going two years ago uh and we had a basket full of like i think about four four pumpkins we got there and it was about 50 pound uh which must be about 70 dollars so in the end we're like right we'll put them all back apart from one small one which was still around 10 pound and when you can get them in the supermarket for you know very (laughs) you're a lot less you can get 10 for 10 pound yeah Pretty much, yeah. so it's nice to go to a pumpkin patch, but uh, yeah, that that was that, that's pretty much it. It's supermarket all the way until I can figure out a way to grow an amazing pumpkin here, which I don't yeah. think is going to happen uh, in Swansea, <laughs> and not in my garden anyway. I'd offer to give you tips, Chris, but that's the last thing you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between us, maybe a gardening podcast—that's the next thing we can uh, start <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay.
0: I, I would say support your local pumpkin patch, but I guess for for me, it depends what they do. I think if they charge. An extortionate amount for the pumpkin you, you want it to be almost like an experience like a, like a day out you know you want to go there and have mazes or costumes or, do you know what i mean you want you want yeah spooky i mean if it's just a bloke sitting outside his house the pile of pumpkins you, you expect a bit more to eat you, for your money so it, it depends on the whole the whole experience really
1: yeah, in, in fairness, this this place, they have like some uh, little signs up and they have a little wreath, kind of, you can have a, a photo underneath it, uh, and you can have lots of photos with all the pumpkins, which are nice, but then, uh, yeah, it still doesn't really warrant charging that that much. So, yeah, uh, we bought one and I probably won't be going back there again, but uh, uh, especially not around Halloween. But then when else around the year do you want a pumpkin? Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, go pop that for your Christmas pumpkin. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, Chris, I'll, I'll go with it myself because I probably look at things with a different 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 through a different lens than you do and i'll go there and see if i appreciate what they're doing and if i think it's value for money or not
1: fair enough yeah i'd be interested to hear what uh, you have to think what you have to say about that yes
0: and uh well that brings us to the end of the last uh folkloric tradition we were going to look at look at um but halloween in general chris what are your plans for this year
1: uh, this year, I will, in the daytime, take my daughter around, as I said, to the uh, the well-curated list of uh, trick-or-treaters. But then, evening, I tend to just open a bottle of red wine, watch uh, a film which isn't too creepy. I'm not a huge horror horror guy, but I like something a little eerie. Um, or sometimes I play a video game, you know, uh, something like Resident Evil or, or something that has a zombie aspect to it uh, to creep myself out. And then I just drink red wine. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. And if someone knocks my door, I think I've got a bit of uh, stuff I could give them. Uh, Some bread.
0: (laughs) Resident Evil can be terrifying, Chris.
1: Yeah, it it is. uh, Is it the 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 fourth one? Fourth one I seem to remember being quite... Well, they've just re-released that uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, I've just finished it actually two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, it was stressful. Uh, that, that's the word. Enjoyable, but stressful. It, it's that kind of uh, provokes a lot of anxiety, but it's also a sense of achievement as well. So um, that's the kind of thing I like to do on Halloween. Yeah, as long as red wine is involved, everything's we, we, good. We do
0: have a nice tenuous Welsh link with uh, Resident Evil as well, because the films were designed by uh, a man from Swansea or oh. from Neath. Neath, sorry. Cause, uh, well, lives in Swansea, I believe, from Neath. Um, I'm sure he'll curse me if he hears this, Um, (laughs) Edward Thomas, who did Doctor Who and then moved on to the Resident Evil
1: films. Oh, right. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's most
0: most recently he worked on. And I think it's been shamefully overlooked as well. I think I really enjoyed it. He also designed uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter, the new Dracula film that's just come out. So that's my uh, if, if, if you're stuck for a film, Chris, watch Last Voyage of the Demeter. It's not too scary if you can handle okay. resident evil you can handle this okay excellent All Right, it's a good good tip my halloween tip um outside of <laughs> halloween then chris what what else have you got going on anything anything you'd like to shamelessly promote to uh to thousands of folklore listeners around the world
1: oh yeah okay well uh my currently i'm working on lots of things like books and websites and uh general writing but i also do a podcast um which i plugged last time uh christmas uh so it's a, a health and well-being themed podcast but Uh, I explore culture, history, and traditions around the world. And we look at kind of the healthiest and unhealthiest cultures and see if we can learn anything for our own well-being. And so it's called Planet Health. I'm sure you'll be kind enough to link uh, the podcast in your episode description. I'm, I'm sure you'll do that. I will definitely
0: um, link it. L- l- like all those good YouTube type people, I'll say something like link below. And I hope it is below. below after saying that. But yeah, the link will be somewhere. <laughs>
1: yeah. Link somewhere. Uh, yeah, so it, it's the podcast has been going for about a year. I took a bit of a break in the summer, but uh, I'm back now with season two, I'm calling it. Uh, so, so last time we looked at uh, the five blue zones of the world where people live uh, into the um, hundreds and beyond and kind of explore why people live so long in those areas. But I also have a Halloween special coming up on October the 25th on which I have a very special guest and that is of course you. So uh, listeners uh, of Mark and fans of Mark, uh, do check that out uh, because I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, Mark on that. Be flo-
0: they'll be flocking over to Planet Health, Chris. <laughs> but my, my my check hasn't arrived yet, so let's let's wait no. for that to, uh, to turn up. In the I, I,
1: I'm waiting for my check for this one. <laughs> first.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll get you a pumpkin from that expensive pumpkin patch, Chris, and then we'll uh, fair enough. Call it call it quits. So that's Planet Health, and then of Thank course you. we also have a bit of exciting news about the next episode of this podcast. Because you're a you're a glutton for punishment, Chris. Christmas time, you're back for Halloween, and next week you're going to be joining me and some experts for your very first ghost hunt in one of Wales's most haunted locations. Now you can't give away the surprise and tell anyone where it is yet. But okay. how are you feeling before your first ghost hunt?
1: Uh I I'm quite excited. I think uh, it'll be uh interesting. I'm uh, I I'm quite open-minded uh to to these things, so you know. Uh we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Um yeah, I said it, it'll be interesting. I'm hoping for some like big jump scares, uh, but yeah, we'll have to wait and, and find out, I guess.
0: How, how do you I mean you mentioned jump scares there. If if you're at I, I mean, I'm, we, we mentioned places like the the haunts in Canada and America and places like Halloween haunted, uh, Halloween haunted, Halloween horror nights and things. When you go to these places, do you walk through with a smile on your face or are you there with clenched
1: fists ready to lash out at people? That's exactly me. I, I actually went to, um, back in Canada the uh, haunted houses they were more for fun for for kids but I've been to some of the um like adult ones where it's pretty gruesome and they have live actors and you know they're kind of clawing out at you and you do your your natural urge is to kind of hit them <laughs> but yes I think there's even signs at the door like like don't hit the actors because yeah because you know they're actors but they're jumping at you there's the music's intense and yeah so I'm 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 not walking around with a smile on my face. Uh, it's more of a, <laughs> a nervous uh, uh, and trying to balance between nervous and uh, angry. <laughs> I think right. it's uh, yeah. So, but hopefully that doesn't happen on our ghost hunt.
0: <laughs> well, all all those actors I've paid to get uh, to get ready <laughs> pounds out of you, Chris. I'll warn yeah. them that you're a bit quick with your fists, yeah. and maybe yeah, they should yeah. stand back and not uh, not scare you too much when they jump out of the shadows. But That's no, it. It, it will be a one hundred percent genuine, real paranormal investigation. We're doing it properly, um, yeah. and as as a result, with all of the you know, with, whenever you do these things, you can never get. I mean, it, nothing could happen whatsoever. It could be the most boring. Podcast episode ever. You mm. don't know until you go to these things, but that's that's the great way about doing it properly, I guess. It's it's the real thing.
1: That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We'll uh, and then hopefully next time we've got something uh, big to talk about. Some uh, big ghost that jumped out at me, and I try to avoid hitting it. Or we'll see. In that case, Chris, we'll catch up again in a week's time after you've knocked out that actor I paid to scare you in the
0: haunted house. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Chris. I'll speak to you again soon. All right. Cheers, Mark. And so ends another episode of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. But as you've just heard, Halloween is not over yet. Because on the next episode, both Chris and myself and a group of Wales's leading ghost hunters that also happens to include a filmmaker are going to be exploring a top-secret, most-haunted location here in Wales. And I will be bringing that investigation to to you as live as it were on the very next episode so if you haven't already please consider hitting the subscribe button and you will not miss that episode or any other episode ever and if you have enjoyed this halloween episode you can support the podcast by rating it reviewing it telling all your friends about it and if you really enjoyed it you can treat me to a coffee via my website, and as we all know at this time of year, it's going to be a pumpkin spice coffee. If you'd like more ghosts and folklore, you can also follow me on social media. I'm on all the main platforms, and as well as this podcast, I've also written several books about similar weird and wonderful subjects which are available from all good bookshops offline and on, and you can find a full list of those books in including my latest book, Paranormal Cardiff, on my website. All of which just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and varian am I've been Mark Rees. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast, beaming to you from Wales to the world. And remember, if you do have any leftover candy on this Halloween, don't throw it away send it to Wales where I can assure you personally not a single one of those delicious three-coloured triangles will go to waste. Promise. Until next time, happy Halloween, norse kalangai of hapis, and norsta.